All right, well, pastors uh, Brian and Tom were influential in my life. Um, PB, as uh, we called him, was my high school uh, youth pastor. Uh, he's probably got stories on me, so we're just going to leave it at that. Uh, pastor Tom was the associate pastor of our church, and he continued to be a voice um, from afar into my life for probably the last 20 years or so. Um, I've known these guys for at least 30 years, which um, ages both of, all of us. Um, both these fine gentlemen have, were instrumental in, in, in my ordination, and their signatures are on my ordination certificate, and I, I count that a privilege. Um, so we're glad to have you both join us today. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to have a conversation, ask a couple questions, and, and just hear from them. So we're going to start with Brian. Uh, Brian, could you briefly tell us, uh, what, what, how did God call you into launching KMCC? And um, tell us what it was like to, to launch this church back in 1995. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just give us a story of how God worked maybe unexpectedly. Okay, I'd be happy to. Well, when we started KMCC back in 1995, we wanted to see a group of people in the Kettle Marine area who were actively involved in reaching the people of North Prairie, Eagle, Dousman, Wales, Genesee, Town of McGuanago, etc., with the gospel. Um, I want to state that again. We wanted to see a group of people, like you said earlier, not a program. Um, that was active in reaching out to people in these communities, people who needed to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we wanted KMCC to recognize itself, as, even as we were beginning, as a group of people with a common ministry focus, not as a building that a group of people attended once or twice a week. And maybe that was a little easier for us because we didn't have a building, we had a trailer, um, and not a lot of people are gonna come worship at a little trailer. So. Um, Keeping that idea of the church as, a, as an organism rather than an organization that inhabits a building was maybe a little easier in those days. If I remember correctly, the first message series I preached was on the book of Acts. And my thinking was that since we're a new church, perhaps we could learn something about being a church from how the church did church back when the church first began. Um, I like tongue twisters, uh, because they were pretty successful back in the book of Acts at reaching their communities for Christ, and maybe we should be trying to do what they did and see what God would do in response. And you don't have to go very far into the book of Acts to find out just what it was that made them successful. Uh, ironically, though, um, what made them successful at reaching their communities was not a great evangelism program. Uh, in Acts 2.42, we're told that this first church devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. Surprisingly, evangelism isn't even mentioned. This church was passionate about the apostles' teaching. That would be scripture, preaching, learning about who God is from his word. They were passionate about the fellowship. That would be one another. They committed themselves, devoted themselves to meeting together, caring for one another, meeting each other's needs, to the breaking of bread or communion, uh, which is, is really, above all else, uh, it's a time of regularly, regularly reiterating the gospel as a reminder to us of all that Christ has done for us and a reminder to our communities as well. And then finally to prayer, spending time alone with God. And that's important to understand because as they were obsessed about these things, God responded by doing amazing things for them and through them. 
making them a generous group of people. He produced a great love for each other in their church, and he brought many people to Jesus. In fact, if you continue on in the book of Acts, you see there was at least two occasions where thousands of people responded to Christ mm -hmm. in a day. And as you said, it's about God drawing people to himself. I can't make somebody follow Christ, and I shouldn't be about making people follow me. But as we are faithful to what we were believing back then, is as we are faithful to do the things God has called us to do, he will respond by doing what only he can do. And of course, only he can save people. Our goal was that to... <clears throat> Our goal was to be that kind of church because we wanted to see God responding in our day like he did for those in the early church. And God was faithful. We did get to see some unexpected and exciting things. For instance, I'll give four of them. I think there's four. Uh, uh, families who had never considered foster care or adoption started to come out of the woodwork to be fathers and mothers to the parentless. I remember leaning over to my wife during one of our Christmas programs and pointing out to her that over half the kids on the stage were either foster kids or adopted. It was our attempt to integrate North Prairie. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty white area out here, and yet we saw uh, numerous families um, opening their hearts and their homes to these children. And it wasn't even anything we were preaching about or, or asking God to produce, but he just developed that heart in people. Another example has to do with our finances. When we planted KMCC, we were a daughter church of Waukesha Bible Church, as you all both know, and most of you probably know. And Waukesha Bible Church agreed to pay my salary for the first two years as a way of supporting us as that daughter church, which my wife and I were very thankful for. Um, you said uh, earlier that you would never have dreamed of coming to church and preaching to an empty, uh, an empty hall, an empty room. Uh, my wife and I did dream about that. They were called nightmares, <laughs> and we were worried that, I mean, I remember before our first Sunday, my wife said to me, that's her way of encouragement, what if nobody comes? And that was a fear, uh, but God was faithful. Um, uh, and that showed up, I said, in our finances, um, we, we were able, after a year, again, WBC said they would support us for two years. After a year, we were able to go back to Waukesha Bible Church and say, thanks so much for what you've done, but we don't need your money. Um, this newly planted church was financially self-sufficient within 12 months of its birth, and that included giving 20% of our income each year to missions. That was just an amazing, I never would have dreamed that possible. Our small groups were amazing to me in their love for one another, their ability to care for one another. On top of that, it seemed like one of the most enjoyable times our church had was when we were setting up and tearing down each Sunday morning. Uh, the, this church family just loved being together. That's a, 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 another very, um, not just important, but it was something that thrilled our hearts to see God produce. Perhaps the most noticeable thing is that God chose to bless KMCC with numeric growth. In each of our first two years that we existed, we doubled in size. We started out, our first service was Easter, and we had a lot of visitors, a lot of people from WBC, uh, well-wishers, which we welcomed. We had about 70 people that morning. But then 
After that, uh, we started settling in, and our core group was about 35 to 40 people. By the end of that first year, we were about 70 to 80. Hmm. And then by the end of the second year, we were up to about 140 to 160. Hmm. Um, and people would ask, what are you doing? I would go to pastor's meetings and, and talk to other pastors and churches, and, and they, would, they would ask, what are you doing to produce this kind of growth? And my response was generally, I don't know. <laughs> We're just struggling to keep up with what God is doing. Hmm. You know, I think it was in the third year of, of our existence, we started to plateau. Uh, and I noticed, I began to notice a subtle difference in the enthusiasm of our church. And, and realized that I had, I'd probably dropped the ball in keeping the vision clear um, to our growing congregation. Now, of course, the people that came with us, they knew the vision. <laughs> it was clear. But by now, this, that was only a quarter of the congregation. Um, but I, I began to notice that many people in our church were excited to be involved in a church that was reaching their community, their friends, their family. But they weren't excited to be the church that reached their friends and family. We were slipping away from being a group of people excited about reaching our friends and families to a group of people who just wanted the church to do it for them. And so we began to renew our efforts in explaining what it was that God was calling us to be. But that's really what we tried to, to establish KMCC to be, a church that would focus on those four things. Let's preach who Christ is. Let's devote ourselves to the fellowship, to the family, caring for one another. Let's remember Christ and his death on the cross regularly through the communion service, mm -hmm. reminding us of what he has done for us so that we could then in turn bring that to others and, and to prayer. This is a God thing. Mm -hmm. We can't do church. Only God can do church. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and those four things were what we tried to commit ourselves to. And then we said to God, please, you respond with the rest, which if I'm reading Acts 2 correctly, that's what he is saying. I'll do, I'll do my part if you do your part. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What great perspective and what a great lesson for us to even carry into today. Um, well, I'm going to transition to Tom here. So, Tom, you, you took over, what was it, about 10 years after the church was founded? Mm -hmm. And um, so briefly explain to us how God called you to be a pastor here and then what was it like to take that lead role um, in the midst of a building campaign mm -hmm. and um, maybe some expected, unexpected things that God did uh, when mm -hmm. we were here? Well, first of all, going back to my call, uh, I had uh, become a believer, moved to Chicago, and left Chicago with my wife to come back here to plant churches. I wanted to do, be a church planter. And so we temporarily got involved at Waukesha Bible for 14 years. And we did a little bit of everything. It was a trustee, a deacon, an elder. We taught Sunday school, Awana, prison ministries, um, counseling. Uh, and I did an interim pastor at another church. But I was there, and Brian used to reach out to me to come and be a guest speaker at KMCC, which I was thrilled to do. And so that was a great opportunity to be part of a young church that was growing and be part of Brian and the elders' vision uh, for the church. And so that's how I first got ac acquainted with uh, KMCC. And then Brian came to me. Uh, I had been at a point I was at Moody uh, attending the um, continuing education classes, praying that 
uh, God would release me from where I was, feeling like I just wanted to be in a pulpit more and, and be a lead pastor. So I just really committed it to the Lord and surrendered it to the Lord, and, and God, I felt, released me. Well, at the same time, uh, Brian had a vision for the orphanage to, to leave KMCC, and uh, Brian and I had had contact, and he came to my office one day, knocked on my door, and came in and sat down and shared with me uh, what he was going to do, and he said to me, Tom, I think you might be the guy to come to KMCC. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened, and it was all the grace of God. And in the meantime, Tom Gruner, who was uh, involved in maintenance at Waukesha Bible, uh, he and I would pray every Tuesday, go out to lunch, and we prayed. We used to go out to McGuanago and pray about McGuanago, and I used to drive by this property when the sign was up there thinking, how cool to have a church exist in this community. So um, Brian spoke to me, and the Lord had released me, I met with the elders. Uh, they didn't even form a search committee and uh, met with the congregation. They voted and the rest was history. So that was the beginning of my call here. And uh, my core values of, of my call have always been something that I've taken very seriously. And Hudson Taylor quoted in one of his books uh, that his desire was to be God's man in God's place in God's time. And that's always been the heart of ministry. So uh, coming here was wonderful. Uh, stepping into putting a building together was a little terrifying uh, to, at the least. I'd never built, I'd built a house, I'd done other things, but I'd never been involved. And all I ever heard was horror stories of churches building and how crazy people can get in. The uh, average statistic is most pastors about a year after a building program end up leaving. So I went into it with fear and trembling and total faith and trusting God. But God gave me a, a tremendous group of people on the building committee. That was Rob Hauser, Dale Kreitz, Tom Gruner, Brett Bennard, uh, and Bill Canfield was the builder. And we, it was actually fun building the building. And yet we were terrified because we didn't want to go into debt. We would have preferred not to have any debt, but we wanted to be reasonable and realizing uh, statistics are when you plant the church normally about three years if you haven't bought land or that at least cast the vision to build uh, people get very discouraged or discouraged and Brian had given that vision they had bought the land uh, they had they were working on wanting to build a building so I stepped into that but one of the things I told the elders was this I was not going to be the guy to twist arms and manipulate and lay guilt on people to build a building. I just, I didn't want to do that. And sure enough, God provided. I remember the day that uh, we got the call from Waukesha State Bank that they were going to give us a loan. I remember calling Brett saying, are they kidding that they were actually going to give us a loan? Because they told us there's no way we could build this building unless we were building it ourselves. When they came out and surveyed the land and they looked at the prints, they said, there's no way you can build this building for this amount of money. And you know what? By God's faithfulness, we did. We did. And so that was just such a great part of, of building the building and being called here and trusting God through all of it. And the people here were just great. They were very welcoming. Brian had laid a great foundation uh, and being a visionary and leaving to do a tremendous work in Africa. Uh, it was just exciting to step into that. Uh, role and being still part of Waukesha Bible Church it was uh, was a great 
uh, great opportunity for us. So the Lord, all the way through, we just want to give him all the praise and all the glory and thanks because it was he who went before us. And, uh, and in building the building, underneath the platform, my wife wrote some scripture verses that I think really summarize what our heart was. And they're still there, I believe, under the carpet. And I'll just read those verses. And the first verse was this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And that's uh, Psalm 127.1. And then the other one, this is um, my wife's favorite verse and mine as well. Ephesians 3.20. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen and that really summarizes what we wrote under the platform under the carpet uh, to just make sure that we in, with the history of the building of this building we always wanted the focus to be on God God getting the glory this is his church I was never the, the pastor. I was an under-shepherd. Jesus Christ has always been the lead pastor of this church. And I can say that knowing Brian and, and Jason. It's always been Christ is the pastor. Our names are not on a sign. We don't have a parking spot with our name on it. Christ is the lead pastor here. And, and that gives me great joy. Thank you. Well, a lot of you know um, how I came. So I'm not going to share that. But what I did want to share right at this moment was... A story of God's faithfulness in the midst of this social distancing. So the social distancing hit really quickly. Uh, the elders, Dallas and I, were we were prepared uh, to change how we gathered. We were gearing up for how we would adjust our worship time, our children's ministries, to, so that we were safe. Uh, but we were not expecting to have to stay home and, and not expecting to take our service online uh, like you're enjoying today. During all of this, I saw God's faithfulness to this church and his gracious hand upon us in three ways. One timing. If the social distancing had happened last fall, immediately after taking this role, I think it would have been difficult for all of us to navigate through that time. So um, I'm thankful for the time that God allowed us to build relationships together. I'm a grateful for how the elders and how you all rallied together, are staying in touch, giving financially, praying and encouraging one another. And I'm, I'm also relieved that this pandemic didn't hit like prior to that when when there was a search committee happening or in the transition, I think it would have been one more thing and an already overloaded plate. So I'm, I'm thankful for God's faithfulness and the timing of this. And, and number two, uh, Dallas, like he would never say this, but he is a gift to this church. There's no way that we could go online like we have and have our services there and stay in touch and with all of you without him. Uh, he's behind the scenes mastermind who spent tons of hours making this possible for us to stay connected. And I'm extremely grateful for God's call upon his life to this church. Uh, he, he's actually worked under all of us, and so he probably knows all of us way more than we know each other. Um, but he's a blessing to me as he serves you faithfully, and he shoulders the responsibility with me, and he loves you dearly. So he has been a blessing. And then thirdly, the giving. Uh, when we went into social distancing mode, I thought it was going to be a very difficult time for this church financially. But God working in your hearts has continued to meet our needs. Uh, we haven't quite gotten back to budget, but I am so thankful for the generosity of this church and for God's provision. Like He has, 
He has provided through your faithfulness and also through folks giving online, people that have never been a part of our church before. And um, as elders, we are just thankful and we're praising God for him and for you. And we, um, we're, perf we're, we're prayerfully as elders working through uh, being fiscally responsible during this time. And I can, just, I can just assure you that we are watching how we spend and how we, how we do ministry. But I wanted to share something that I challenged the elders with a few weeks ago. Um, before the stay-at-home order uh, went into effect, and it, it ties into this, this loan, and it's this. I asked the elders to pray that God would miraculously provide above and beyond our budgetary needs so that in this year, in 2020, we could pay off the remainder of our building mortgage. And it kind of seems ludicrous at this point in time, right? Um, but I said, if we could pay this off, then those funds that would have gone into the mortgage would be freed up to do ministry. And as I look ahead into our future, after all of this home confinement is over, I believe that it would be advantageous for us to have funds that we could use to bless others, to support new and current missionaries, to relieve the burden on good ministries that are around us and helping our community, assisting those in need. And so our prayer actually hasn't changed. In fact, we've, we've actually doubled down on it. And that's why I'm telling you this prayer that we have had, because we want you to pray together with us that God would do this thing beyond what we could imagine or even ask or think. I have seen God do miraculous things in the midst of uh, trying times, almost impossible times. And he's able to do far more above what we could ask or think. So let's pray as a church and that he would provide a way for our building loan to be paid off this year. Because I'm convinced that God is not done with KMCC. And I have great confidence that God is going to do some of his greatest work in us and as we come out of this time of isolation and fear and sickness and loneliness, I, my encouragement to you is stay the course, keep the faith, and pray like you've never prayed before. And we're going to see him do some good stuff. Okay, enough preaching. Um, we're going to ask one more question, and uh, are you guys ready for that? Um, we're going to take about five minutes or so each, and we're going to share uh, our hearts as we look at where we're at right now, we're watching this from our homes, we're abiding by social distancing guidelines, and we're still trying to be the church. So I thought it would be important to ask these questions of these guys, and they're a little bit nuanced for, for them in their context. So for, for Brian, like what, what does it look like to be the church in isolation and distanced from one another? Well, in reality, I think um, during this COVID crisis, KMCC, should look pretty much like it did when we planted it 25 years ago, only with an empty parking lot. Um, actually, we didn't have a parking lot at the time, so that doesn't, yeah. But let me explain what I mean. You know, I think this whole COVID-19 thing gives us an op another opportunity to do a kind of a gut check as to where we are, what kind of church are we? Are we a church that is building focused? Mm -hmm building-centered, or are we a church that is people-centered? Um, perhaps this whole mess we find ourselves in was is an opportunity God is giving the church in general, and this church in particular, to become more intentional about what we claim to be passionate about. The church in China, for instance, has been forbidden by their government to meet together for decades, even before the coronavirus. And it's the fastest-growing part of the body of Christ on the planet. They had to find other ways of doing what the church has been doing for centuries. And God has blessed them with enviable growth and commitment. Mm -hmm. 
The question isn't whether the coronavirus will stop God from doing his part. God can still do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think in any environment. We've all referred to that verse. It's in my notes so I can prove that I'm not copying you. In fact, he seems to delight in excelling the most when conditions are the worst. The question is, will we let the coronavirus keep us from being who we should be? Will we let it interfere with our passion to see God through the scriptures, to stay in touch with and meet the needs of one another, to remember and rehearse the grace of God as evidenced in the gospel, and to grow in our relationship with God by using some of the extra time we all now have to talk with and listen to him in prayer? This COVID craziness that is affecting the world around us may have caught us off guard. It may have thrown our planes out the window, but not God. He remains on his throne in charge of all that is unfolding in our communities and across the world. In fact, this has been part of God's plan since before time began. Mm -hmm. And I believe he remains ready and eager to respond to our faithfulness with his own faithfulness. Maybe we're not sure how to emulate the first church by devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers in these confusing times, but God knows how. Already we've seen teaching and even communion over the internet, Prayer certainly isn't limited to times when we can meet together. In fact, Jesus said we should look for privacy in our prayer closets. Mm -hmm. And he modeled it, as you referred to just a couple weeks ago, um, by retreating to quiet places alone to pray. And I believe, believe God can even show us how to keep in contact with and care for one another during these times of social distancing. If we remain unsure, let's just ask him. Mm -hmm. And it might just amaze us with, with what he'll tell us to do. Because as we stay faithful to the things that the early church was passionate about and the things that KMCC was planning to be committed to, I believe God will amaze us with how he will respond. Perhaps we may see this church grow during these times when no one else expects it to. So I, I, I just believe God is still powerful. He's still for us. And he's still in absolute, complete control. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, well, Tom, tell us your thoughts. Like, what it, I, I, and I'm going to gear it towards your evangelistic heart. So what is it like to be fruitful, to, to share the gospel, and to love our neighbors in this, in this context when it's hard to even like, connect with our neighbors? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's a, a wonderful story about Jesus coming upon a man who was demon-possessed by multiple demons, and he was completely out of his mind. Everybody was afraid of him. At the end of the day, he exercised the demons, uh, and as the camera zeroes in, Christ and this individual who had been possessed are sitting next to each other, and he's fully clothed, and everybody's amazed and shocked. And what I love about that story is, in a sense, we've all been possessed by sin in our lives and, and a need for Christ and trusting Christ for his death, burial, and resurrection, which we just celebrated. But the other side of that story is, as amazing as that is, he wanted to follow Christ uh, and because he was so faithful. And Jesus said to him, I want you to go back to your town and tell everybody what I have done for you, what has happened to you. That was his mission field, to go back home to tell his neighbors and friends and show them, obviously, what God had done. Well, for us as a church, as KMCC, church body, family, the body of Christ has always been people, not a building. The building is nothing more than a tool. So to be home in our communities and have an opportunity like this is really unparalleled. 
What I love about it is the fact that we can reach out. First of all, we need to remember to support the church, this, the staff here, the structure here, so when we can come back together, there'll be a place to meet. But also in, for the benevolence and the benevolent fund of the church. So I would encourage you to look at anybody in this church, family, who might be struggling financially at this time, to really, as a body, come around those individuals within the church, the body of Christ. And then also look to our neighbors and find out how we can help them. If we have elderly neighbors or, or people in our neighborhood that we haven't seen for a while, but to reach out to them, if nothing else, ask how you can pray for them. But I think that, that that's one of the keys. And the other thing is the small businesses in our community. I'm thinking about Lucy's Restaurant, Zazing, the Hen House, uh, some of the beauty parlors in this area where they can't function, they're losing money. Lucy has small children in her the little restaurant over there. She has small children and there's no doubt that they're probably struggling. So for you to buy gift certificates from these places, to show up and knock on the door and find out if you can leave some groceries or even leave a check, write some money, put some money in an envelope, make sure you give it to somebody. But any way we can help in this community is a way of doing pre-evangelism, laying the groundwork for those individuals because they're dependent upon us to, to come to them and give them business. So I can't think of a better way to reach our little community out here, wherever you live, to think of those small businesses. And then if you do go through a drive-through and they're bringing that food out to you, give a tip to the runner from Culver's or the runner from uh, the restaurant, Burger King, whatever. Um, give them a tip and, and be generous with that tip. Uh, I think that those are small ways for us to speak with the reality of the fact that we appreciate what they're doing. Even the grocery clerks, the people working in the stores, they take care of you. They see you every week. If you're in Pick and Save or whatever uh, store you go to, they see you. They know you. This is a time to really be generous. If you've got the means to really be generous with your prayers, with your support, because they won't forget you. And when things get back to normal, whatever that's going to look like, they will never forget you. And that is a great way to do the pre-evangelism. One of the things this church was founded with, and I appreciate when I was here, uh, was the fact that the kind of the mission of the church, the, the, word, the, the mantra was knowing Jesus Christ and making him known. Jason's doing a great job preaching the word. You can listen to the word online. But, but making him known, as creative as you can be, whatever that looks like, this is the time for us to get off our blessed assurances and do what God would have us do. Can I throw in Thanks. here? Yeah, even though it's not my turn. Oh, uh, I have found, at least in our neighborhood, I'm able to get into conversations with people over these last few weeks. I don't know if it's because they now have time to or if they're just bored stiff and now they'll even talk to me. I don't care what the reason for it is. But people seem to be more willing just to talk. Mm -hmm. So even taking those opportunities, mm -hmm. stay six mm -hmm. feet apart. Yep. Uh, most, mm -hmm. of you can, most of you can talk loud enough to travel six feet. Um, <laughs> and just see what God might use that conversation to do. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bless the people that are around you. And, and even, you know... Now is an opportunity to invite them to come to church, mm -hmm. in essence, by going online. And, and it's a very unobtrusive way that people mm -hmm. can join and, and see and hear the truth. And, and then you can follow up and say, hey, what did you think of, of, of that sermon, of, that, of our church? And so it's a really good time for us to be the church, 
in the community for them, loving them, sharing the gospel, laying those seeds down so that God can do his work. Um, just one thing from my point of view as we begin to wrap this up, but as we look to the future, I want to say two things. Number one, and it was mentioned before, Tom said that Jesus is the one constant in our lives, in this church. The one constant through our history as a church and the one solid rock through all the changes that are going on around us. As we have experienced, pastors come and go, elders come and go, governments and economies change, laws change, technologies increase, families move away, folks grow old and pass away, children grow up and move on, but Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And we're thankful that he is our head, our constant, our pastor, our leader. Brian planted and Tom watered and God has given the increase and God has been faithful through the ups and downs. A solid foundation has been laid and by God's grace, we get to build it together. We, all of us together, are going to keep building on what was laid by sowing the seed of the word and watering it with the love of Christ. And I can assure you that God will continue to give the increase. Additionally, Jesus is our true authority, our true shepherd, and our true head. I'm simply, as Tom said, an under-shepherd who, who was appointed to be here to feed and to care for and to nurture your souls for this particular time in this church's history. I'm personally hoping that I can celebrate 50 years with you all. Uh, you may be sick of me by then, but I won't be sick of you. Uh, how awesome would that be to celebrate 50 years together? But always remember who is ultimately leading this church. It's Jesus. My goal is to simply point you to Jesus. He's really what life is all about, and he's our hope in times like this. He's the one secure hope that we have. And secondly, I want to share this with you. Jesus calls us to live courageously in love. We have many new families in our church and many new folks that are tuning in online, and it's wonderful. And we're praising God for this. And we want all of you to feel uh, that you're, you're part of our church and that we know you and you're an integral part of the body. And yet, like at this time, how do we do that properly? We don't necessarily know all the answers. It's kind of tough to actually do that. We've never done this before. But we're doing the best that we can, and, and still we wish that we could do more. But we are all certain, we're all uncertain as to how to best be the church at this time. So here's what I think God wanted me to tell you today, and that's from 2 Timothy 1.7. It's an incredibly important verse for us, and I think it's something we should memorize and we should live out each and every day, and it's, it's this. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And the KJV says, of a sound mind. Did you catch that? That fear does not come from God. Fear does not come from God. Over and over again in Scripture, we see God say to his people, Fear not, do not be afraid. God does not want us to operate out of fear, but from his power, from his love, and from his strength. Fear is a powerful weapon of the enemy. He uses it to keep us from interacting with people, from addressing injustices, from spreading the gospel, from following Jesus, from being generous, from being kind, and ultimately from doing God's will. Fear comes as a result of focusing on ourselves and on what we can or cannot do. We fear because we cannot control a situation. We fear because we cannot control an outcome. We fear the unknown. But as we go into the future here at KMCC, we're not going to be driven by fear. 
We're going to embrace this season of decomposition and death to our ideas, our plans, our dreams that we had, and we will be motivated by the love of Christ. As we move forward as a church, and we are going to allow the love of Christ to shape our desires, our determine our plans, and motivate our actions. We will strive to love one another and love those that are not yet even part of our body. By his power, by his love, and by his wisdom, we will love our community and we will not, and we will not only bloom where he has planted us, but we will bear fruit for the glory of God and for the furtherance of his kingdom. So I hope you're all with me, with us. I believe that God uh, can use us right now in this situation, in this global pandemic, as we move forward in love and not in fear. So let's trust him to build his church and to change the spiritual landscape of this broader Kettle Moraine community area. And I just want to thank both Brian and Tom for being here with us. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for the groundwork that you've laid, for being faithful, for planting, for watering, and for just being here for this congregation. And it's been a wonderful time uh, sharing this with you too. Uh, let's end in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the years of faithfulness that are represented here. I thank you for your goodness to this church for 25 years. We thank you that we can rest upon you, our head. You are our authority. You are the one we follow, and we love you. And we're going we're gonna to listen to your voice. We're going to obey what you say. And as a church, we just want to come before you and ask that you would use us. Use us in the lives of those around us. Use us in the lives of each other. Use us to further your kingdom. God, we are your humble servants. And I just thank you for the example of these two men. And I pray that as we uh, leave uh, here, as we uh, leave this time of, of worship, God, that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of following Jesus with all of our heart and sharing the seeds of the gospel with those around us. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now receive this benediction. May the love of God be the passion in your heart. May the joy of God be your strength when times are hard. May the presence of God be peace that overflows. May the word of God be the seed that you sow. Amen and God bless.